don't know about you, but when I create a, a space for my family, for, even for myself, I create a space that I think is beautiful. Now, I know some of you men hear the word beautiful and you're like, I'm out. Um, but when I say beautiful, I mean through a man's eyes. And when a woman makes a beautiful space for her, she's looking through her eyes. And so we all create spaces for ourselves and for our families that we think is best for them. That we, we want to set up them to succeed, to be successful. Well, to be able to be successful, we need to have nourishment, right? We need food to eat. We need clothing to wear. We, we need shelter to live in. And so we do everything we can. We, we try to be successful in our careers to provide those things because we want our homes to be something special. I don't know anybody who wakes up one morning and says, you know what? I'm going to make decisions today that are going to destroy my home. I'm going to make decisions today that will leave my family devastated and destroyed in the coming days. I don't know anybody like that. And I'm guessing you don't either. But the reality is, there's not much different between us than Adam and Eve. You see, because God had created a garden that was beautifully made just for his creation. And he was meant to live in relationship with Adam and Eve. They were put in the most perfect of circumstances. But within those circumstances and within that freedom that they were given, they were also given a boundary. Don't eat from this one tree. This wasn't just a special place. This was a sacred place. Because this was where God and humanity were together with no barriers. Nothing separated them. God was with them in the garden. But we like to screw things up occasionally, don't you? Don't we? Sorry, I didn't mean to just throw you under the bus. Don't we? We all do. You see, in the Garden of Eden, it was created for beauty, for peace, and, and for life to flourish. But through Adam and Eve's disobedience, pain, chaos, and death became the curse for all humanity. In just a short time, humanity went from the garden to the grave. We went from a garden that was meant for sacred, beautiful things to a grave that was meant for death. But there was also another garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was on the west side of the Mount of Olives. And it was properly named the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means oil press. And you see, in that garden, 
life was pressed. Challenges were put on, not just Jesus, but on the disciples. His most trusted friends, his family, he asked him in his most desperate time of need, please stay awake and pray with me. But three times he went back and they were sleeping while their Savior was in agony, was in pain. Jesus experienced rejection in the garden. Anybody experience rejection in their life? Let's just be honest. Like, well, I'm hoping because of the, the, the that that was more than just the hands that were up because um, evidently some people aren't human here. Um, but we've all experienced some form of rejection in our life. And what do we want? Do we want to, to walk through rejection alone? No, we want to know that people are with us, that people are going to support us, that they're going to help us. We don't want to walk through things alone. But Jesus was rejected. Thursday, we talked at Monday, Thursday, about this most sacred meal that Jesus shared at the Last Supper. And at that meal, he literally sat around a table with his friends, his disciples. He had just spent the last three and a half years pouring his life into them. And right next to him was Judas, who was going to betray him. And across the table was Peter, who was going to deny that he even knew Jesus. But yet all around the table, every single one of them were going to run and hide for fear of their own lives while Jesus was fighting for his. But yet he stayed. Knowing that he was going to be rejected, he loved them anyway. Right now, if you reject Jesus in your life, if you're not living for Jesus in your life, good news, he loves you anyway. I don't know about you, but I don't know very many friends like that. Let alone family members that you reject them, you say you want nothing to do with them, and they're still going to be by your side. It hurts being rejected, but he loves us anyway. At the foot of the cross was another garden. A garden where Jesus would be taken down from the cross after he had died and his body would be prepared and he would be laid in this tomb in that garden. You see, the funny thing is that Satan thought that he won. Satan thought that when Jesus went into that garden tomb that he had won. He thought he had been successful in, his, in what he wanted to do. Because you see, Satan was thrown out of heaven because Satan was originally one of the big time angels in heaven with God. But Satan said, you know what? I want to be like God. I want to be greater than God. And for that, he was thrown out of heaven. And so his life mission was to be better and bigger than God. And that's his mission in your life. 
to get you to choose him to be bigger than Jesus in your life. And so he thinks that when Jesus is dead and in the tomb that he's won. But you see, Satan didn't do a very good job of reading the scriptures. You see, when we read in Genesis chapter 3 that this fall happens where sin enters the world, in verse 15, we read that Jesus, or God literally says to the serpent in the garden, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Well, who's he? Well, it's Jesus. But you're talking, he says offspring. So, well, who's the offspring? Well, if you want to do the lineage and you want to find out where this is all going, Jesus is the offspring, right? So why was Mary a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus? Because Jesus wasn't the offspring of any normal human being. Jesus was the offspring of the Almighty God. But it had to come from one of us. So Jesus is born. Jesus is the one that says that will strike your head, Satan's head. If you don't think God loves us, then you don't understand this verse, this piece of Scripture. Because before the reality had even had the chance to sink in of what Adam and Eve's sin had done to them and to all of creation, before it even sunk in, God had already set into motion to send a Redeemer. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is literally a prophecy of Jesus coming as the Redeemer. He had a plan to reconcile our lives back to Him. You see, because the whole point is to get us back to the garden. In the Garden of Eden, Satan thought he had won. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Satan thought he had won. When Jesus' lifeless body was placed into the tomb, Satan thought he had won. Why? Because Satan didn't understand the significance of the sacrifice that was paid. He didn't understand it. He didn't understand the sacrifice that was being paid. He simply saw death, but failed to see the life that would come out of it. Revelation 21, one through five. This is one of my favorite verses in scripture. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among 
the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. What he was saying was, I know that there are some ADD people out there who are going to understand this and they're going to need you to write it down so that they can go back and read it a million times to realize that I'm making everything new. Because you know what? I remember that today. Yesterday, I forgot it. What's going to happen tomorrow? Revelation 22, 3 through 4 says, No longer will be any curse. Remember Genesis? Satan said you, or Jesus, God said you will be under a curse. Talking to Adam and Eve, what is that curse? It's sin. Revelation 22, 3 and 4 says, There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. God will be with them. Where was the last time God was with, present, in like visibly being able to be in your presence. When was the last time that happened? The Garden of Eden. You see, from the moment that Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, God had set in motion a plan to get us back to the garden. We were never meant to leave. We were always meant to be with God. So what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose that we're living in this world? The purpose is to live for God. But because of sin, we can't live for God because we need someone to redeem us from our sin. So how do we get back to the garden? 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21. Some of you will just throw this off and say, "Ah, that's far-fetched, I don't get it, but hopefully it sinks in. It says, Elijah died and was buried. That's okay, get that. Now, the Moabite raiders used, used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some of the Israelites were burying a man, they suddenly saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb, not knowing it was Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. You see, what we need to do to get back to the garden is sometimes when you're dead, You need to get reconnected to the things of God. 
If you feel like there's death in your life, if you feel like your life is going nowhere and you're just on this repetitive cycle every day, wake up, go to work, come home, go to bed, tired, exhausted, do it all over again. I hate this. It's miserable. Why am I doing this? You're dead. When a prisoner is getting ready to be executed on death row, when they're taking their last walk and they're going to where they will be executed, the prison guard will literally yell down the hallway, dead man walking. How many of us are literally dead men or women walking through life. And here's the thing. You can think that I'm just full of it and I have no clue what I'm talking about. I don't care what you think about me because ultimately it doesn't matter. Because the one you're rejecting is not me, it's Jesus. You can think your life is great all you want, but if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you're not living for him, you're dead. You see, the beauty of Sunday is that Friday's disappointment was Sunday's empty tomb. You see, when has impossible ever stopped Jesus? When has it stopped him? Yesterday, this is still fresh in my mind. I went to bed last night and I told Jennifer, I said, I have PTSD. She's like, what's wrong? It's like every time I close my eyes, I just hear pop. Yesterday, we had a softball practice. The joy of teaching 10, 11-year-olds, how to slide. A girl slides into home. I'm standing right at home plate. Slides into home, catches her toe on home plate. Pop! That's not good. Immediately looked up and said, yep, call. And to the other coach. It was bad. I'm sitting there, I'm holding her leg. As I'm taking her shoe off because... I'm thinking that her foot's just going to swell like crazy. I'm taking her shoe off. I'm praying, God, please. And I'm taking off her sock. And all there was was this little bump. I'm like, this foot's going to be like black and blue. Like, I mean, literally down at third base, the other girls heard the crack. She broke her leg in two places. You see, the thing about Jesus is we think miracles have to be some great, awesome, big, huge thing. We think God doesn't do miracles if he doesn't heal our loved one from cancer. But you see, yesterday, God did a miracle because a girl that was laying on the ground had two moms at her head and had me holding her leg. Jesus showed up. They are like, no, what are you talking about? You were just doing the right thing. Well, I can tell you what Jennifer would have done She would have run like freaking out the other direction. 
But for some reason, my mind sees chaos and panic, and all of a sudden it decides to work. I don't know why, but I'm just wired. All of a sudden, when chaos kicks in, my mind just starts processing every little detail that I wish my mind would process on a regular basis. But it doesn't. Why was I the one standing at home plate versus the other coach? Because the other coach, (laughs) he didn't, like, his first thought was to stare at me. I'm like, call! But see, in the little things, Jesus shows up. He's there. But do we have the eyes to see him? Do we understand the significance of the sacrifice that he's paid? You see, it's time. It's time to open your grave and walk into life. It's time to step out of your grave into the garden. Into the garden of life. Jesus' good friend Lazarus was dead. He was dead, dead. And just to make sure he was dead, dead, when Jesus found out that he was dead, he just said, I got work to do. I'll be there some other time. Four days later, he shows up. Everyone's ticked at him because he knew, why didn't you come? He's like, I need you to know that God is going to be glorified in this. And so Lazarus was in a tomb dead for four days. In just three words, Lazarus was raised to life with the simple three words. And he tells Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come into life. Come into the things that were were dead in you into a new life. When Lazarus appeared outside of that tomb, Jesus gave a command to the people around him. And I think it's a command that we need to hear today. He said, take off his grave clothes. See, some of us have prepared our life for death because that's what we're living. So we might as well just get ready. But some of us need to take off those grave clothes and start living the life that God has called us to. If life doesn't have purpose, why doesn't it have purpose? If you don't feel fulfilled in your life, why don't you feel that way? You see, we need to stop living in the past. We need to stop living in rejection. We need to stop living in the loneliness that we feel. We need to stop living into the lies that other people have told us. We we need to stop living into the lies that we've told ourselves. We need to stop trying to save ourselves because Jesus is able to save you. Jesus is able to deliver 
you. Jesus can heal and restore you. It's time to walk out of death into life. Well, how? I'm, I don't read the Bible. I don't know what it says. I don't, this is, I'm hearing this all for the first time. Well, it starts with sacrifice. I'm out. See you. Bye. You see, the second we have to give up something, it hurts. But you see, we're never willing to give up something and sacrifice something of our own if we don't understand how great the sacrifice was that Jesus paid. Think about this. Jesus was divine. He was God and man. I know that's going to be hard to wrap your mind around, but here's the thing that explains it. He's God. You don't have to understand it because it doesn't change anything. Just because you think, I I don't understand that, so therefore it can't happen. Let me ask you this. Would you want to give your life and worship a God that you could understand? That your human, weak mind can understand. Is that the God you want to worship? I'm pretty sure Islam is taking members. I mean, go for it. If if that's what you want. I mean, but I don't want to worship someone that I can understand. I want to worship a God who's greater than me, who, who knows more than me, who loves me more than I love myself. When we understand that God could have done this and fixed the sin in every single person's life and it just be done. Or God could have said to Adam and Eve, you know what? I knew you were going to screw up and eh, let's just get it over with and start all over. He could have done that. He sends his son to be born. He didn't just miraculously show up. He was born as a baby. He had poopy diapers. He probably peed on Joseph when he was changing the diaper. I mean, he stubbed his toe when he was learning to walk. I mean, all of the things that we went through. He experienced suffering. He felt pain and rejection. He was tortured. If you don't, if you think he's just up on the cross and it was just a pretty little thing, Google it. The most accurate picture you will probably find is the, the movie, The Passion. The movie, The Passion. I thought there was more to it, but there's not. It's The Passion. It's bloody, nasty. And it's majority of people didn't make it to the crucifixion. Majority of them died just from the scourging before the crucifixion. He went through all of that when all he had to do was done. Who chooses that? 
You see, that's the difference between a God who loves and sacrifices and who God who doesn't care and just fixes. When you ask God to fix your problems and they don't immediately go away, that's because you haven't learned anything yet. He's waiting for you to learn something. He's waiting for you to struggle and get to a point where you're like, okay, God, I can't do this. I need you to help me do this. I need you to bring some people around me to encourage me, to help me get through the life, the struggles, the pain. Well, I don't have anyone like that. How am I supposed to feel that kind of love? Welcome to the church. Believe it or not, when you look at today's church, I know it can be a little deceiving, but it's supposed to be a loving place where you can come and be yourself, bear your ugliness, and say, help, and it be okay. Because guess what? We're all just as screwed up as you. One of the girls didn't want to slide yesterday. Not the one who broke her leg. She didn't want to either. But another one didn't want to slide because she was embarrassed. I just looked at her and I laughed and I was like, did you see them slide? They were horrible. I laughed at every single one of them. It's okay. We're going to laugh at you too. She never did it. But it was like, <laughs> there's no difference between her and the rest of them. You ever been that nervous person in speech class? Well, I don't want to go. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to screw it up. And it's like all the people before you, they just, they were perfect and nailed it and knocked it out of the park, right? No. They were all felt the same way as you. Well, when we woke up this morning, some of us didn't feel like going to church. We're like, oh, it's Easter. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I got to go. I'm going to go. I don't feel like going. Well, guess what? You're not alone. There were people that came here today that didn't want to be here, but they promised a loved one that they were going to be here with them, and so they're here. You're not alone. Some of you were afraid the roof was going to fall in. My aunt. I swear, every time we talk about church, she was like, if I go in your church, the roof's going to fall down. I'm like, if the roof hasn't fallen on me yet, you're good. Because it's when we invite God into the mess that the mess ever gets remotely cleaned up. Because you see, you and I to ourselves created the mess we're in. But we need Jesus to redeem the mess. You see, some of us men, I'm just going to make it a little easier for you to understand. Some of us men, we got married so that the spouse could come in and clean up the mess in our house. Because it was horribly designed, it was trash everywhere, 
you know, food that was like from two years ago that hasn't been thrown out. It was sitting on a countertop the whole time, still sitting there. Dogs ate some of it, but then decided it was disgusting and didn't touch it. And laundry everywhere, but we needed, we needed someone to help clean up our mess. You see, that's what Jesus does. But the problem is, we want to let Jesus in the foyer. Because we can maintain the foyer space. It's small enough. It, it, I mean, in this foyer space in my house is literally like this by this. And then you're in the living room. <laughs> and there's no divide between the two. It's like, you're in. But we, we want to keep God right there. And the whole time we're kind of like in his face. Like, don't look at the rest of it. But how can God redeem what we won't let him into? How can God help us if, if we keep him at an arm's length? Something I want you to hear very clearly today is that if you feel bad right now, if you feel like, wow, God loves me, you're in a good place. Because that means you're starting to realize the significance of your sin. But his death was not Satan's victory. You see, his death was Satan's defeat because Jesus did not stay in the grave. That's why we're here today. Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death. Satan can't do that. You see, Satan doesn't have the last word in your life unless you let him. My question for you today, who are you letting win in your life today? Satan or Jesus? There's only two options. Because see, if, if you think, well, I'm winning, that's who? Well, guess what? That's Satan. Two options, Satan or Jesus. You get to pick. Every single day of your life, you get to pick. You see, some people think, well, I'll just pray the prayer that you're going to have us pray at the end, and I'm going to, a few minutes, I'm going to have us do that. And you're going to be like, I'm good, let's go, I got another year in me. No. No. That's step one. Step two is praying the prayer tomorrow and the next day. In the next day, you see, living for Jesus means you die every single day because the problem is we like to resurrect ourselves. Well, I was dead yesterday. Nope, I'm alive today. No, you're not. You're dead. Let's step into the life that Jesus has for us. So if you would... If you'd all close your eyes, bow your heads. And all joking aside and humor and all the things I try to be. I want you to be serious with yourself. 
I want you to be honest with yourself. I, I want you to just, you're the only person in this room right now, you and God, and, and he's listening. He's here. And he's asking you, will you choose me? Will you let me in? Because I, I want more than anything to be in a relationship with you. I want to be in that garden with you where you were meant to be all along. If today is a day where you're going to be serious with yourself, not just today, but you're going to be serious about tomorrow. And, and you're going to say, Jesus, I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus into my life. I don't know what to do or how that looks or what that all entails, but I know that I'm dead. But I want to live. I want to have all those things that the pastor's talking about and even more. Then I just I want you to begin today by praying a prayer with me. Just repeat these words. If that's you, if you want to accept Jesus into your life today, just, just pray these words with me. You don't have to pray them out loud. Just pray them in, in your heart because that's what matters. That's you, just pray with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And without you, Jesus, I am dead. I don't fully realize the significance of my sin. But Jesus, I want to. I want to be a person that honors you with my life. I want to be a person that honors you before others. God, I know that I am weak, but you will make me strong. I know that I will sin and sin again, but I need your forgiveness. I'm asking today for your forgiveness, Jesus, for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. But thank you for not staying there. Thank you for defeating my sin today. Thank you for this opportunity to live life to the fullest. Keep working in me, Jesus, because I'm a work in progress. Amen. Well, if you would, keep your heads bowed for me. 
This isn't about statistics because this isn't about a number of people and a quota that I have to meet. It's not that. But I want to walk with you on this journey because it's a journey. It's a marathon and more. And I want to walk with you if you'll let me. So if you prayed that prayer to accept Jesus in your life, I just want you to look up, catch eyes with me, and then you can look down. Thank you. Okay, you can look up. Open your eyes. Today, some people took off some grave clothes. This is what I live for. This This is literally what I live for. Moments when people start new lives. And the thing is, is, today's the beginning. But it's yours. You see, I thought I had a good life too. I had my life planned out. I am not doing anything remotely close to what I planned out. Because when Jesus cornered me one day, in a chapel auditorium at Indian Westland and said, I have plans for you. Well, those of you who prayed that prayer today, I want you to hear that Jesus has plans for you. Live into it. This is probably the most excited and goofy you will ever see me get on a Sunday morning. Because of the mess, because of this. I was sitting over there like tapping my foot when Jonathan's playing. I'm like, hurry up, let's go. I want to do my thing. And the thing is, it's not me. I, I don't get to do If you knew me, you know that this is not me. Because Goofy's not me. I, I'm serious. I, let's get her and get her done type of thing. But I get excited when people realize that Jesus is a whole lot better than everything else anybody else has to offer me. So I thank you for those of you who prayed the prayer. If you didn't pray the prayer, there's no guilt. Not for me anyway. But my hope is that you're one step closer if you didn't. And I'll just put this out there. If you leave here today and you're like, man, I should have prayed the prayer. Call me. Text me. Email me. Get a hold of me. We'll walk together. We'll walk through this. And here's the beauty. You don't need me. You don't need the priest. 
You don't need the pastor. You can pray the prayer yourself. Because really, all you need is God. And He's right there the second you need Him. So stand with me this morning. And one of the things I have us do at the end of each message is to just reach out our hands because this is a difficult posture for many people to take because it's vulnerable. But you see, we need to be vulnerable before God. And so I I just ask that if you just receive this blessing this morning, Jesus, today we receive new life. We celebrate today as the angels in heaven celebrate the people who said yes to Jesus today. We celebrate those lives and we thank you for what you're going to do in their lives. God, I pray that you will help us to stand a little taller today, to be a little prouder in who we are because of you in our lives, because of the sacrifice that you've paid. And today we worship an almighty God who loves us and says each one of you is worth the sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus. And today we receive you in a new way so that today can be a new day for you that we might live into the purpose you've called us to. Amen.